to all. Isn't it wonderful to sing? Isn't it wonderful to contemplate the marvelous grace of God? Appreciate good singing, good prayer that we have been led in. We will take a few moments now and look into the Holy Scriptures. You are not surprised to hear this, but in the, in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament together, the idea of, of giving thanks to God is found around 170 times. 170 times. The idea of giving thanks spells the difference between a lot of things. It spells the difference between faith and and unbelief. It really spells the difference between truly worshiping God and, and failing to worship Him. It spells the difference between Uh, heartfelt dedication to our Lord and half-hearted devotion. It spells the difference between having great energy for God and and coming up short for Him. It spells the difference really between joy and despair, giving thanks. And we're going to come all the way over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 this morning. Ephesians 5, verse 20 and... Notice that little verse and ask four questions about giving thanks. Four questions about giving thanks. First of all, Ephesians 5 verse 20, we ask the question, when? When should we give thanks? And Paul's simple, straightforward answer is always. Always. When should we give thanks? The answer is always. Always means more than once. Always means more than a few times. Always means more than a few weeks or a few months or a few years. Always means, of course, very comprehensive. It means always. When we teach our children uh, that they've got to brush their teeth, we teach them they've got to brush their teeth more than just one time, uh, more than just one time a day. More than just one day, basically they got to just keep on. It's always. It's always. Always includes times that are good. Give thanks to God even when times are good. When things seem to be in order, when people are getting along, when the blessings seem to be coming along, the wind is behind our back, when times are good, when our mood Toward others and mood toward God is good when we are aware of His goodness, when we're very appreciative of the death of Jesus uh, in our behalf, when times are good, we give thanks to God. But we must be careful to remember that we live in a culture that is stuck on itself, very much stuck on itself. We remember what Paul says in Philippians 2. 21, as he commends Timothy to the brethren, he says, Timothy truly cares for God, will truly care for you, but most of the people seek their own interest and not the interest of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 2.21. Philippians 3.19, Paul says, most of the world, their end is destruction and 
their glory is their shame, their God is their belly, and they, they mind earthly things. We've got to be very careful, even when times are good, to remember that we're living in the midst of folks who are very much stuck on themselves. 2 Timothy 3 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 and following, talks about difficulty coming in the last days. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, right in the middle, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, Reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And we just keep on going there, 2 Timothy 3. We give thanks always, even when times are good. And always also means when times are dark. When times, in times of, of downward slope. Uh, we, still, we still give thanks, even when the wind is against us. When, when the wheels keep falling off our cart, when, well, when like the song says, when sorrows like sea billows roll, we still give thanks. When, when some young man comes along and, and marries your daughter and takes her to the border of Mexico, okay, you, you, you still give thanks then. When, seriously, when, when times are bad, when things happen that you would never ever want to happen. We still give thanks. We recall Daniel. He was taken into captivity, away from his family, away from his, away from his friends. He gets over there in, in Babylon, and he just simply tries to be good, and people treat him roughly, and they even they set up plots against him. And they set up one plot against him because they knew if they were going to try to take him down, it would have to be in regard to his faith. And so they got the, the king to sign this document that said anyone that calls upon any god or any man in the next 30 days except for the king himself, then that person will face the lion's den. Well, you know, Daniel was not going to stop praying. He was facing the lion's den. But notice in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, what we read in Daniel 6, verse 10, Daniel knew the document had been signed. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks. He prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done Previously, we don't stop giving thanks even when times are in uh, despair. The, one of the good things that we can say about Jonah, Jonah had some real difficulties inwardly. His anger especially, he had to overcome. But when Jonah, you know, he created a well of a problem for himself. Jonah, Jonah found himself in the belly of this, this great sea monster. And one thing you can compliment Jonah on is that he prayed a good prayer. And he made some, some vows before God. Jonah 2, Jonah 2, beginning in verse 7, 
Jonah 2, beginning in verse 7, he says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you, O Lord, in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake the hope of steadfast love. But I, I with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. I will keep the vows that I have vowed unto you, Lord, because salvation belongs unto you, O Lord. We remember Paul and Silas was close to Philippi, Acts 16, that because of their work in Jesus, they were attacked. And they were brought before a crowd and they were beaten with many blows. And then they were thrown into an inner prison and their feet were put in stocks that they could not move. It's good for us to stop and think about things that are recorded for us. Most of us have been in some sort of pain somewhere in our bodies, whether it's our back or ribs or neck or foot or knee or hip. And don't you have the tendency that when, you, when you're in pain that you want to move in such a way to try to relieve that pain? One of the reasons they would put them into an inner prison and put their feet and hands in stocks is so you would not be able to move to be able to relieve your pain. So Paul and Silas are in an inner prison. And about midnight, Acts 16 and 25, they're singing and praising the Lord and praying to Him, giving thanks to Him there. So yes, Paul says, when should we pray? The answer is, always. Always. Times are good. Times are down. We still render thanks unto God. Ephesians 5, verse 20, second question is this, giving thanks for what? For what? And notice in Ephesians 5, 20, Paul gives a very simple, straightforward answer again. He says, well, for everything, for everything. We read the Apostle Paul. We're familiar with him. All of us are. We know that he can get very specific so let's notice a few things that he gave thanks for as we, as we meditate on this verse. Okay. Think about these ideals before we get to these verses. Think about something common, something extraordinary, something special, something strange, and something that is challenging. These are the kinds of things that Paul gave thanks for. First, let's think about something common. Paul would give thanks for food and for daily necessities, something common. He would give thanks for food. 1 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, he says, the, the things that God has created, the meats in the world, those are to be received with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. We remember Jesus teaching us to pray. In Matthew 6, he said, he says, uh, say this, give us this day our daily bread. There was a little six-year-old boy who went to spend an hour with a friend. And when they ate, they did not give thanks. He had been brought up to, so far to give thanks. They, they would thank God at mealtime. 
And when the friend's house did not give thanks, he said, You folks, you eat like my dog. He eats and doesn't give thanks to God. Sometimes kids just say it out the way it ought to be said. But Paul gave thanks for common things such as, such as food. You know, we ought to be constantly rendering thanks to God all day long for things that, are, that we just almost take for granted. And you know, it doesn't have to be an elaborate prayer. Oftentimes in the Bible we see people praying and they're just speaking from their heart. Without bowing, without speaking audibly out. I'm I'm reminded of Genesis uh, 24. And it's about verse 45, I think, when um, Abraham's servant was going to find a wife for Isaac. And the servant prayed constantly. And I believe that verse there in Genesis 24, 45 says that as he was praying to God about finding Rebekah, it says he was speaking in his heart. Speaking in his heart. And so we have the opportunity because God is so great. He has such ability to hear our prayers that we can, we can speak from the heart. And render thanks unto him all the time for the things that that he provides. Paul also thanked the Lord for something extraordinary, especially salvation. Salvation. If you look in your Bibles to Colossians 1, 12 to 14, there is an episode there. There's a little paragraph there where Paul thanks the Lord for, for salvation, basically. If you look in verse 14, he ends the paragraph by saying he was thankful for forgiveness uh, he calls it their redemption. Redemption means to be, to be released from a great debt. And that, it does put us in debt. When, when we realize that we're sinners, that is a great debt. That's a separation from God. But through Jesus and our submission to Him, we can be released from that debt. That's forgiveness of sins. That's, that's redemption. In verse 13 of Colossians 1, he says this process is also called being delivered from, from a domain of darkness and being transferred into the kingdom of, of Jesus, the kingdom of God's dear Son. Okay. That's something to be tr- tremendously thankful uh, to have in our lives. It's, it's to be most grateful for our salvation in Christ. He, there in Colossians 1, he calls Christians saints in light. Saints in line. This is a great way to be thankful. To, to thank the Lord that you have been introduced unto L-I-G-H-T, light. Spiritual light. Okay. This begins with the knowledge of the gospel according to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. Okay. He that said, let light shine out of darkness in the way back in the very beginning. He's the same one that can shine in our hearts through the knowledge of the gospel. And so, thank the Lord that you've been able to see the light of the gospel. And that light of the gospel brings us to the the Savior, who is the light of the world, John 8, verse 12. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. And then, from then on, we can let our light shine for Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 8 says, You were once darkness. 
Now you are light, L-I-G-H-T, in the Lord. So walk as children of light. light. In Colossians 1.12, Paul begins his thanksgiving about salvation, talking about the inheritance that can be ours. And Peter talks about that inheritance. In 1 Peter 1.4, he says, Our inheritance is something that's incorruptible and undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for us. I tell you what, salvation is the one huge, extraordinary thing that ought to be on our lips. We ought to, it ought to be in our hearts. We're thanking God constantly for salvation. So Paul, Paul would thank the Lord for common things like food and for big things like salvation. And what about something special? Well, Paul often thanked the Lord for his brethren. His brethren. We don't have time to go through all these references. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just make a couple of references. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll mention the references and then we'll just read a couple of them. You know, you know that when you open up Paul's letters, one of the first things he does, okay, he thanks the brethren for their faith. Okay. All right. So if you're writing down a few, Romans 1 verse 8, okay. and then you go to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, same thing is found in in uh, Philippians 1, and then the same thing is found in similar thing in Colossians 1, and then again in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 Thessalonians 1, opening a book uh, of Philemon the same way. Well, let's just read together a couple of these. Romans 1 and verse 8. Notice how Paul opens up this letter. Very simple. But now, when Paul would thank the Lord for his brethren, it wasn't they weren't empty prayers. They had to do with who we are as Christians. And you'll notice this in all these references. But in Romans 1 verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. And that's the sentiment of all of his thanksgivings for his, his brethren when you look through Colossians and Philippians and Thessalonians and Philemon and, and the others. So Paul would thank the Lord for common things. Certainly every blessing comes uh, from God. He would thank the Lord constantly for salvation. He would thank the Lord constantly for his brothers and sisters in Christ. But here's something weird. In your Bible, if you look in 1 Corinthians 1.14, Paul said... I thank the Lord that I did not baptize some of you. He said, now I did baptize Gaius, and I did baptize Crispus, and I did baptize Stephanus, and some of his household. But look what Paul, look, look at this weird Thanksgiving. I thank the Lord that I did not baptize some of you. So what's he doing here, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 14? Well, we know he is not diminishing, he's not disavowing baptism, its importance to salvation. We know that from just reading different passages with Paul. Okay. We know he's not doing that. Okay. We know that he is basically saying that the one doing the baptizing is not near as important as the one being baptized and what the one being baptized knows and understands and the state of, the state of mind of the one being baptized is much more important of whoever it is that's doing the dipping but here in 1 Corinthians 1, what he's really doing is 
He's saying, there are some of you who are making idols out of the one who brought you to Christ okay, and baptized you. He said, in that vein, in that vein, if you're going to do that, then I'm glad I didn't baptize uh, some of you. And he, he explains to them in 1 Corinthians 1, 12 and 13, he says, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. Jesus was crucified for you, and you were baptized in the name of Jesus. Follow him. Don't be saying, I'm going to follow Paul, I'm going to follow Apollos, I'm going to follow Peter, I'm going to follow this guy and that guy. Okay. You follow Christ. See, we're, we're not in this to create a following for ourselves. Never, never, ever, never. Okay. It's not, we don't do, we don't serve, we don't teach, we don't, we don't do anything to create a, a personal following from anybody else. We're handing them off to Christ. We're serving so that people will serve the Lord Jesus, not us. Not us. We preach not ourselves. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants. That's how it's to be. That's how it has to be. Okay, it just doesn't need to be that way. It has to be that way. That's the way the Lord set it up. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, Paul says, The things which you have heard from me among many, many witnesses, the same uh, commit to faithful men who shall be able. That's the idea of serving. That's the idea of teaching. That the other person may be able to do what you are doing. To be, to be able to do it without even your help of doing it. So you're not creating a following. You're trying to develop leaders. You're trying to develop wholehearted Christians. It should be as if you were never there in the first place. That's how servants do. And so Paul thanked the Lord for that. That kind of sounded strange. I thank the Lord. I'd, you know, we won't see people baptized if they understand the cross and the resurrection, if they understand sin and and the tragedy being lost, and understand the, the Lord's goodness, if they're ready to go to work for the Lord. We want people to be baptized, but that was kind of strange, but Paul explains himself there in 1 Corinthians 1. Ephesians 5, verse 20, is one question. When? Always. Second question, for what? Well, for everything. So Paul gets specific, but then we come back to the challenging part. You see, he thanks the Lord for common things, for salvation, for his brethren. He comes back around now. We've, we're faced with this challenging part, thanking the Lord for everything. And you, you look at Paul and you say, everything? You know Romans 8, verse 28, that, that for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, then God is able to work all things together uh, for good, intertwine all things together for good. But even knowing that verse and looking at, at, at things you don't want to see happen, happen, you look to God and you look to the Apostle Paul and his writings and you say, really, for everything? I am to thank the Lord for everything? And that's what it says, for everything. <clears throat> Many years ago, there was a lady named um, Corey Timboon. She endured much of the tragedy of the Holocaust. 
fact, she helped her dad in a watchmaking shop. And her dad and her, her family, would provide a safe haven for Jews who were being threatened. And they themselves got in trouble and they were treated in a very dishonorable way for many years. But later, she was able to survive. And later, Corey Tim Boone was able to get out and do some speaking. When she would speak, she would have two pictures. One picture would be just a bunch of threads of different colors, some dark, some light, other, other colors, just a bunch of threads just thrown together in a, in a chaotic situation. Okay, it looked like, um, well, when my dad would take me fishing, and I first uh, learned to cast a reel that where the fishing line open, open rod, open reel, okay, my line would look like that. I mean, just a bunch of thread and, and uh, just chaotic looking. And then the next picture was that same thread being used to create a crown. And she would talk about how that the Lord God can take that which looks chaotic and create a crown out of it. She would go on to say that the threads, look at the color of the threads. A lot of the threads were light looking and pretty looking, some of them were black and dark, and yet God is able to intertwine and mix all those together to create something that looks really hopeful and victorious. And so, yes, we do thank God for everything, for everything. The third question, Ephesians 5, verse 20, giving thanks to whom? To whom? You see, we don't give thanks to ourselves. We don't give thanks to a set of circumstances. We don't give thanks to a concept, okay, or to an ideal. Uh, We give thanks to God the Father, it says there in Ephesians 5, verse 20. The the reason is, James 1, verse 17 says, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of, of lights, comes down from the Father. Every gift that we have comes down from the Father. But it's interesting that people of the world... Uh, when you look at the articles they write, people of the world, people that don't believe in God. Well, the trend right now is is this word mindfulness. You ever heard of that? Being mindful. Okay. So you and they're really promoting idea of being gra- grateful. Be mindful. In other words, be grateful for your circumstances. Be be thankful for your house. Be thankful for. Your pets, be thankful for creation, be be thankful for things around you, be thankful for your loved ones, but there's not a who. There's not a who. Just be mindful. And seriously, that's that's what it's, it's just be mindful. Just get yourself in a state of realizing that you don't bring all your blessings to you, but there's nobody behind all of that. There's there's no who. Who who are you grateful to? Just mindfulness. For the world is just being in a state of being mindful that that um, it's not all about you, but they have they have no who to give thank, thanks to, no who. But we know the who. That's why Christianity makes such good sense because there is somebody who has brought us all of these situations, and we can be grateful to Him. Paul says in Ephesians five twenty, He is God. The Father. 
God the Father. Now, God the Father, we thank Him because He brought us here. A psalm of thanksgiving, Psalm 100, says, It is He who made us and not we ourselves. You remember that? Psalm 100. He brought us here. He brought us here. We can't get in a car and go home. We can't get, go into a building or a house. We can't do anything without using some of God's stuff. God is the one who has brought all the raw materials to this world and to this universe. And man takes that and uses it for his conveniences. We cannot do anything without using God's stuff so he deserves all of our thanksgiving. You see. Acts 17, 28, when Paul was in, in Athens amongst a lot of unbelievers, he said, concerning this God I'm talking to you about, in Him we live and move and have our very, very being. In Him we live and move and have our very being. And one reason for that is because God is all around us. He's, he made everything. Everything that we use, everything that, that we benefit from, it all is part of what God has uh, provided. God the Father. We thank Him. We thank God the Father also because He wants us to be His children. He has demonstrated that in a number of ways, especially by giving His, His Son Jesus in our behalf. We studied last Sunday evening about Romans 8.32. He that did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not freely with Him give us all things? God wants us to be His children, and that's why we thank Him. And we thank Him also because He will, He has promised and He does take care of His children. He takes care of His children. I'm not much of a, of a bird watcher. I don't study birds, but I, you have to be impressed with the ability of birds. It's just it's amazing what all they can do and how fast they can be here and there what they can gather. Jesus mentions in Matthew 10, 29, as he's, trying to, as he's trying to bolster the confidence and the faith of his disciples, he says, look, think about the sparrows that fly around. Think about the sparrows. Are they not sold for a farthing? They're some of the cheapest birds on the market as far as eating goes. And yet not one of them falls on the ground without your Heavenly Father knows about it. Are you not more valuable than a sparrow? You certainly are. We thank the Father because He takes care of us. The Father has the ability to take care of us, not just in this world, but in the world which is coming. If we, if we leave this world, that doesn't mean the Father has failed in taking care of us. Because the Father has control on the, over the next world as, we, as well from here. Such a beautiful thought. I remember uh, some of the older preachers, last generation, sharing this little rhyme, but it's good. Said the robin to the sparrow. Said the robin to the sparrow. I wonder why it should be that all these human beings rush about and worry so. And the sparrow says back to the robin, I think that it must be that they have no Heavenly Father such as cares for you and me. God cares for the smallest 
of the animals on earth. He certainly cares for us. We thank the Heavenly Father not only because we can be His children and He takes care of us, but because He has staying power. He's the only one who has staying power. I don't like the situation no more than you do, but in this world there are hellos and there are goodbyes. Oftentimes the same door in which someone walks in and we say hello, that's the same door they use to say goodbye. And I don't like it one little bit. But it reminds us that the Father never leaves us. Hebrews 13, verse 5. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So I heard of this young lady whose father died when she was 16. And she was 21 at that time. It was her birthday. And she, as she had done for the past five years, she, she received some flowers. And what her dad had done was before he died, he prepaid that she would receive flowers on her birthday for the first five years after his death. So from age 16 to 21, she received flowers. And then at age 21, there was, a, there was a note with the flowers. And her dad said to her in that note that he believed in her, encouraged her to keep faith in the Lord, and that he would always be with her, but that the Heavenly Father would never forsake her. And so we give thanks when? Always. For what? Well, for everything. To whom? To God the Father. And the final question is how? How? And Paul says there in Ephesians 5.20, through, through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give thanks. That's how. That's how. The authority of Jesus, we, we can't operate without His authority, His name. And His authority is found in this book. And as we said before, the idea of rendering thanks to God is found over 170 times. And so we can go into, into His authority here and we can, just, we can receive treasures and treasures about, about giving thanks unto God. But it's not all about just reading. It's about noticing. You ever wonder, you know, does this work, this prayer, this giving of thanks... If I pray always and if I, if I give thanks for everything and if I trust in the Father, is that, does that really work? And, well, see, we have the example of Jesus. We have the example of Jesus. Not just about, well, it is about His authority, but not just about the words found in His Scripture, but also it's about His example. And... Toward the end of his life on earth, and we can pick up in Luke 22, Jesus is starting to talk to his disciples about the Lord's Supper. He will eventually say, I will drink it new with you in the kingdom, and we're about to do that here in just a moment. That's why we do that, because the Lord said, I'm setting this up, I want to drink it new with you every first day of the week. Luke 22, 
verse 19. Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. But what is he giving thanks for? He said, this is my body which is given for you. What is the Lord thinking about there? Of course, he's thinking about the cross. He's thinking, it's just, this is happening in just a few hours. This is happening. And he's giving thanks for the fact that he will sacrifice. He will be going through this torturous death in our behalf. He gives thanks for that. See, the Lord is our example. He gives thanks for everything. You say, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. We can do that. We've got to believe. Sometimes our feelings just have to catch up with our faith. We just go ahead and believe. We we'll go ahead and practice it. And eventually our emotions and feelings will catch up with our faith. But we do this because we believe in the Lord. And so just these four questions we wanted to mention this morning. Ephesians 5, verse 20. I know you're most grateful. You wouldn't be here... In Ephesians 5, verse 20, that's a context of worship. Paul's talking about singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. This is being filled with the Spirit. This is, this is a context here of, of worship. I know you wouldn't be here today if you weren't grateful. We want to be most grateful, though. We want to be grateful for everything the Lord has done for us. If we can assist you with any spiritual need this morning, will you please make that known right now? as we stand together, as we sing.